Hi there, listener. It's Matthew. You've come looking for an episode of the Children's Book Podcast, and you've found it. Hooray! But you're probably wondering why the name of the podcast has changed. After eight years of doing the Children's Book Podcast, I began a new career as head of podcasts at A Kid's Company About, where I now oversee a podcast network dedicated to producing original content that talks up to kids, centers the things going on in their world, and engages and challenges how they see the world and themselves. All of the episodes of the Children's Book Podcast are still here, but now, if you're subscribed, you'll get new episodes of Worth Noting, a kid's podcast about current events, hosted by me. Something for you and the young people in your life to enjoy together. Enjoy this episode, and I hope you'll check out Worth Noting and other podcasts from a kid's company about... Support for the Children's Book Podcast comes from Kidlit These Days, a new podcast from Book Riot pairing the best of children's literature with what's going on in the world today. Join hosts Karina Jan Glazer, author of the Vanderbeeker series of middle grade novels, and me as we examine the intersection of current events in children's literature. Recent episodes have focused on LGBTQ Pride Month and trans representation in queer children's literature demystifying the hijab and speaking to children on the danger of hate-laced speech toward Muslims, and the border wall, one Idaho school's staff and their alarming choice of Halloween costumes, and how a group of Latinx authors stepped in with an offer few would refuse. Each episode features a special guest, a curated book list, and a whole lot of bookish banter. Tune in at bookriot.com listen and click on Kidlit these days, or subscribe on your favorite podcast app. Did you see that book she did that um, Ebony illustrated about the ballerina? That book is gorgeous. Yes. Uh, anyway, she knows what she's doing. She's... Yes, and she changes her style. It's never exactly yeah. the same thing. And that is phenomenal to me. Like, you just can't look at it and be like, oh, that's her again. She always does her lines this way or something like that. You just, ah, uh, she's great. Not my Ariel? What about never, never seeing yourself in any of the Disney princesses growing up? This is the Children's Book Podcast, episode number 521. Today I'm welcoming Ashley Franklin, debut author of Not Quite Snow White. In this debut picture book, readers meet Tamika, a theater-loving, stage-starring girl. She's so excited for her school's production of Snow White that she signs up for both audition dates. But after Tamika overhears classmates criticizing that she's too tall and too chubby and too brown for the part, Tamika is crushed. There's more to the story, of course, but you'll need to listen on for that. Ashley brings up our responsibility, no matter the age, to not make people feel hurt. And in our conversation, she talks about the need to dismantle the idea of complete perfection as we engage young people. Please welcome my guest, Ashley Franklin, author of Not Quite Snow White. Hi, my name is Ashley Franklin, and my pronouns are she and her. Ashley, congratulations on your debut. 
Thank you. I'm so excited. <laughs> I'm so excited. I And this is like that weird time. You're debuting over the summer. I don't have students. So we're talk. All of Kidlit Twitter is like talking about books, but none of us have children in front of us. It's very frustrating. <laughs> Normally I talk about a book and run in and I'm like, man, I'm going to read it to the kids. And I can't do that. So I've just had, but this is also good. I've had my kids that I've been reading to. And as we talked about before recording, I have a four-year-old in particular who is quite fond of your debut of Not Quite Snow White. So thank you for making books for children and for sharing them with our readers. Oh, I'm so glad to hear your four-year-old likes it. Four-year-olds can be pretty tough critics. I have a four-year-old myself, so I totally understand. Oh, you also know that the four-year-olds take ownership immediately, so this is her book. <laughs> <laughs> we go through the book mail, and this is, Daddy, this is my book. Oh, this book is for me, right? Like, this is this is the language that we use all the time. <laughs> and I I feel also having two different readers in my house. My eight-year-old reads very differently from my four-year-old with like mm. reading habits. My daughter, she will read books over and over and over. And that's something I didn't get with my son. And mm -hmm. it's really cool that when I say we've read Not Quite Snow White, I mean, we've, we've read it daily over the course of a week or two weeks. And that's a, that's a neat thing. That is awesome. So before we get into everything that my daughter and I see in your book and talk about in your book, would you mind introducing the people listening to Not Quite Snow White? Of course. Not Quite Snow White. It features a young African-American girl named Tamika. And Tamika is a lively, boisterous girl who loves to sing, dance, and act. She's pretty talented, and so naturally, when she gets the chance to audition for her school's musical to play her absolutely favorite princess, Snow White, she goes for it. I think that, I think that the notion of wanting to play a role is something so fun here, because you've got a book that we're reading as a drama, and a child who, in and of herself wants to command from the stage, wants to share that love. You also have this beautiful girl in Tamika who just wants to care for the others around her and wants to um, make sure they feel comfortable. At her first day of audition, she's like checking on everyone else. And I feel like that's also a really great quality for someone in drama. I learned that, yes. that you have to really care for the other people on stage with you. And, and she... She really, the way we meet her, feels like she was born for the stage. Yeah, she's definitely a caring character. Like, from the first few pages, you see that she has an audience. And this particular audience that she loves to entertain, they're stuffed animals. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, what kid, you know, hasn't had a stuffed animal at one point that is their best friend? You know, they tell their secrets, too. And I think for a lot of kids, their stuffies are their first best friends. I think that not only their stuffies are their best friends, but the way that the way that their room speaks to them, their clothing speaks to who they are. There's so many different choices here. I should say we haven't even mentioned yet that Ebony Glenn was the illustrator of this book. And Ebony, it seems so clearly knows Tamika as well. Yes. I like Ebony was amazing with Tamika. Like, even when the sketches, the initial sketches that I got were just black and white, just 
Tamika's personality popped off the stage. Oh, just popped off the page. <laughs> the stage, right? From the stage <laughs> and the page, no doubt. Yes. <laughs> she even just, like Ebony just did a phenomenal job. She's proud in every every scene that we meet her in the introduction. She um loves being uh in her you know different outfit. I'm thinking of the different outfits that she's dressed up wearing. From like yeah. glam to classical ballet with a swan hat to these different <laughs> things. And <laughs> the moments where, where, quite frankly, I think Ebony is nodding to the like singing to the woodland animals quality of Snow White. Yes. But she even has, Ebony even has her, and this is your language as well, but she even has her like dressed up loving being a cucumber in the school like vegetable performance, whatever the production was. That just wherever she is, this this girl just seems to radiate presence and joy, and that's that is such a, a, a I think an, an easily recognizable but also um, identifiable uh, quality in in not only Tamika but hopefully in the readers that are approaching this book as well. I know that my girl not only loves princesses but she really loves to be her own princess. She really loves to to, to yeah. inhabit that world, <laughs> and so to to see her in that way uh, right away just made me feel like you must know what it's like to be this kind of a child as well. Yeah, exactly. And I think we've all had those moments in childhood that we've just had the time and the opportunity to let our imaginations run wild. And I think Ebony really captured that innocence and that just the carefree nature of kids you know their imagination knows no bounds yet because to them just anything is possible and I absolutely adore that quality in children and I just you know I I wish that they could you know keep it for as long as possible and so I love that we kind of have like this time capsule where you can feel their energy just yeah I have a four-year-old too and at any given moment he's like mommy I'm gonna be a rock star and I'm gonna cut the grass and I'm gonna drive trains and I'm gonna be a DJ when I grow up I'm like go for it buddy and you're just like yes Uh (laughs) uh-huh yes (laughs) and as as your child is growing or as both of your children are, are growing as as I've experienced as a parent as well you you have this line in here that really stuck out the way you worded it to me. And I really love the the way you phrased it. You write, Tamika loved the stage. It was her perfect place. And it made me think for all the times we read that line, what are, are my son and my daughter's perfect places right now? And, and for my son, who's eight, what have been his perfect places? And I just love that phrasing of, of where does that child really come into their own? Where do they really... Do they really fit? Do all the pieces really come together for them? Yes, I think given the opportunity, kids can shine and thrive in their environment. We just have to, I think as parents or as educators, kind of be in tune to what their strengths and their likes are so they you know, can actually go forth and be the best versions of themselves. Ashley, what was your perfect place when you were a child? My perfect place was Usually in my room with a book. Really? 
Yeah, I was an only child for like nine years. I'm nine years older than my sister. And (laughs) I loved, loved, loved reading Um, anything. Like, honestly, I read anything from Mary Higgins Clark to like R.L. Stein's Fear Street on the same day. Like, (laughs) absolutely nothing to do with each other. But as long as it was a good story and it could capture my imagination, I was all for it. Wow. Well, I'm glad that that reading has served you that well. Do you have um, have your children taken any interest in drama? They're pretty dramatic. They're pretty dramatic. (laughs) My my wife is a my wife's an elementary school music teacher and she does a production every year. So my son has grown up being a part of the productions. He's in he's going into fourth grade and my daughter has grown up going to the productions. Uh, And so that's the awareness of, oh, this is a thing. There's like places where we can perform um, mm-hmm. is, is something that, that definitely <laughs> is fed both from being dramatic children, as you were, <laughs> but also, <laughs> oh, so there's a place where I can stand and masses of people will watch me. This is fun. <laughs> right. Well, all, 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 all kidding aside, I want to get to a little deeper in Not Quite Snow White because... For Tamika, um, as excited as she is at this first opportunity to be in this school production of, of Snow White, um, so excited, as we said, that she signs up for both days of auditions, um, the, the, the reality of what she's faced with is something that's really hard. Uh, when we reached halfway through the story, right after the, um, here, let me read to you. Do you mind if I read to you a little bit? Go ahead. <laughs> okay. Uh, we um, we pick up right from Tamika going to these auditions. It says, Tamika was so excited that she went to both days of auditions for the Snow White musical. On the first day, she arrived super early. She helped friends with their lines, kept count for the dancers, and shooed butterflies from nervous tummies so songs could be strong, could be sung. After the audition, Tamika heard some of the other kids whispering, She can't be Snow White. She's too tall. She's much too chubby. And she's too brown. Tamika looked at her legs. They were long. Maybe the kids were right. A princess shouldn't be taller than her prince. Should she? She looked at her belly. Maybe what the kids said was true. She could not remember any chubby princesses. Tamika looked at her skin. She was brown. How could a girl with brown skin play a princess like Snow White? Could those kids be wrong? Maybe she was wrong for wanting to be this princess. That line there, that phrasing again, I'm so in love with the way you word things here, but you you immediately turn from, could those kids be wrong, thinking outside of us, to turning immediately to the in, maybe she was wrong for wanting to be this princess. And your choice, Ashley, to put those in that order, not doubt yourself and then say, no, 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 let's doubt everybody else. They must all be wrong, but rather to, to leave Tamika with that internal conflict, I think is something that, that speaks a lot of truth. Um, and is one that I would imagine is a, is an experience that 
many, many children of color have experienced growing up of not seeing themselves in princesses or, or being told that, no, 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 these princesses are always this skin color. Or why am I even saying it that way? These princesses are white. Um, you can't be that role because you're not whatever, whatever the qualifier is. Right. And that's something that we're seeing now, actually, with the backlash to the Disney's casting of Ariel for The Little Mermaid. Hallie Bailey. It's, yes. It's a mermaid. They're not real. <laughs> you know, let's just put that out there. However, you know, in the Disney original film, Ariel has red hair and she is white. And people are clinging to that with such desperation. It's, I want to say it's shocking, but then again, it's kind of not. Because if you are accustomed to seeing yourself, you do feel rejected and kind of alarmed when you get that taken away from you. But on the flip side, imagine being black, Hispanic, Asian, any other anything besides white <laughs> and not being used to seeing yourself, you know, portrayed in certain roles in the media on screen or in books. It's not a good feeling. It it's uncomfortable for everyone involved that can't really come to that understanding that just because things have always been a certain way, that doesn't mean that they're right. That doesn't mean they have to continue on that same path. Like The Little Mermaid, I loved that film when I was a kid. However, I also love Tiana, you know, and The Princess and the Frog. My only qualm with that was we didn't get to see a lot of Princess Tiana, you know, <laughs> like we do some of the saw other a lot princesses. Of frog, didn't you? We <laughs> saw a whole lot of frog. <laughs> I remember Disney being praised for having an African-American princess, but I remember walking away feeling, even as a child, feeling like that was a lot about frogs. Yeah, it was bare minimum with that. And, but still, there was still that excitement that, hey, we're on screen. We got yes. a chance. Yes! Because when you walk around the Disney park, that means there will be a black princess walking yes. around, signing autograph books, taking photos. That There will not be a frog signing photos. Right. Tiana will be herself there. And she is. Yeah. What I think was, and this I think speaks to um, my whiteness, my shel being sheltered from these experiences. There's something there that I can't quite articulate. But I remember a couple of days ago feeling shocked that so many people were so frank about their, uh, in their language, their disgust of Disney mm -hmm. casting an African-American teenager, a child um, right. as, as Ariel um, and going off on this and feeling like, how are you doing this publicly? How are you right. like committing these words to something that will exist online forever, whether you like take it down or not? It's been there. It's been screenshotted and stuff. But I think that feeling also comes from my uh, general naivete that someone would even ever say words like what is said, not directly to Tamika, but certainly within earshot of her. 
And regardless of whether or not it was an earshot right. of her, it's the fact that it was said. Support for the Children's Book Podcast comes from Bharat Babies. Bharat Babies produces children's books about India with a story for everyone. I've featured their books several times on the podcast, and now I've got a special offer for you, dear podcast listener. Visit baratbabies.com and get $5 off any purchase of $19.95 or more when you use the offer code READINGISRAD. That's Barat Babies, B-H-A-R-A-T-B-A-B-I-E-S dot com. Offer code reading is rad. Support for the Children's Book Podcast comes from Storyteller Academy. Learn the art of storytelling from published authors, illustrators, and editors at Storyteller Academy. From making picture book dummies to character design to their submission-ready workshop, if you are interested in writing or drawing stories for children, there is a workshop waiting for you. Sign up today at StorytellerAcademy.com. Social media has made a lot of people feel safe in saying whatever that they want to say. And, you know, we all do have freedom of speech, but we also all have a responsibility to not make what we say hurtful. You should always try to treat people with the way you'd want to be treated. And I think that goes with language as well. You know, treat others with kindness. Like what gives you a right to (laughs) say mean, nasty, horrible, hurtful things? about someone you don't even know. And in the case of Ariel, you know, how many people actually know that actress? Not many, like, you know, you know, of her work, but you don't know her. And I can just imagine how, you know, they always say never read comments on social media. But if she, a teenager, was to read all of those comments and just the nasty things people are saying that she's not my Ariel, You know, um, I can't imagine what she would feel like with thousands of people just coming down on her just for essentially existing while the character that she will be portraying actually doesn't. And that she was cast. She auditioned. There were many, many people that we assume were considered for this part. We don't even know what those people look like, but the casting chose this decision and we're like attacking this individual for the I mean we do this this is a thing that we do but like yeah what is ugh, what is going on same with like authors authors are are praised or attacked for their work without the consideration that there are people behind books there are other people that look and consider and help shape and I don't yes. know people well <laughs> well I I um I, I one I was amazed that like timing right. There's this picture book coming yeah. out called Not Quite Snow White that is echoing or or is, is mir- ooh, mirroring like Snow White. Um, yes. What's going on in in current events? But as I said on social media, it, I had to remind myself that this is not a new thing. It's not a right. new thing that that white people are getting outraged by by. 
by feeling like a, a thing from their childhood that they latched onto that then maybe they saw themselves in is mm-hmm. being taken away from them. I, I get that that could be a feeling that anyone could experience that. Yeah, that but then you have hurt, to... but it's, yeah, like it's, if you're if you're feeling like, oh, I read this book and then the movie changed it and I got really angry, like let go. You still have the book to love. Stop <laughs> right. being a jerk. And the, you know, Little Mermaid, Ariel with red hair, you know, with their white Ariel that they are just adamant about. Nobody's taking that away. Right. It's still there. It's <laughs> it's not going anywhere. Just we now have another option. We now have a difference. And if it comes down to nostalgia or progress, why aren't we aiming for progress? Oh, I like that. Nostalgia or progress. I, you know, I don't, we don't, I, I'm not even trying to make less of it. I feel like I need to apologize because I feel like my comparison to book adaptation to movie uh, takes away from the focus of the, of the, of the problem that is going on with the criticism of Ariel. So I didn't mean to make light of that or to turn focus from that. Um, because what, what actions we're seeing right now are, are racist behaviors. And unfortunately I think we also have a history. We white people have a history of not wanting to use that word because it's really scary. And it's really scary to think that we might be guilty of racist acts. But I think there's also great power in the fact that a picture book can help us have these conversations with children to unpack what does it mean when individuals say these critical things of children because the child doesn't fit their vision of what, of who should be playing a certain role or who should be acting a certain way. Right. And not quite Snow White is layered because not only is Tamika African-American, so she has brown skin, but like you read, she's also tall. She's also chubby. And these are other qualities that, you know, in certain settings, that could also cause her or any child to be picked on. Any sort of differences makes you a target, unfortunately, in certain spaces. And I think that the more we realize that children are absorbing this type of information and this type of hurt, that we need to be better able to combat it or even just, if we're not combating it, give them the resources and the help and the knowledge to know what to do in these situations, who they can talk to, who they can turn to. And, you know, in the book, Tamika has her family and just, that might not be every child's situation. It might be a teacher they can turn to. But I think as adults, you know, as educators, just librarians, if we can make those safe spaces known, I think that's a good step in the right direction to combat bullying. And if we can get this, I want to say, under control, you know, while kids are younger, hopefully 
you know, it'll be less of a problem when they're adults. They'll be more aware of what they say and their actions. And it seems like that should be a given that an adult would, you know, (laughs) consciously know I shouldn't say things like this. But that's not always the case. Yes. The the idea, too, of how public things have become now, how visible voices are, actions are, because of social media, we all... We all have a stage, but at the same time, as you're saying with these, with parents and with teachers and librarians, we all also have access to, to examples. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that's something that, that is different. When I was a child, I can blame that I grew up in a place that wasn't very diverse. And so I maybe didn't have enough interactions to be able to understand differences or not, or my parents didn't know how to teach me or any, Mm -hmm. any number of things, but being an adult and recognizing those ignorances, but being able to point to like, for example, we were my son with my eight year old, we were having conversations alongside my daughter um, about what it means to, to recognize other people's differences, but know that those aren't limitations, right? Mm-hmm. But then we also tied this book into what's going on at the border and and how differences make people scared and our fear yeah. can cause us to act in really awful, inhumane ways. And so as much as, as the book uh, you know, opens the opportunity to talk about princesses or to talk about height or weight or ethnicity it it also really connects us to everything everything is human interactions and how how we mm-hmm. choose to carry ourselves right right i want to praise you too though because I, I want to go back to these parents i've been holding on to praising these parents <laughs> because <laughs> if you step back from this book we don't really get teachers or the people that were casting this play we don't really get that in this book you really center Tamika's experiences on how she interacts with others, how she Mm -hmm. hears others communicating about her. So she's not interacting with them, but she's, uh, she's experiencing the, the, the results of them interacting. And then we get her interaction with her parents. And I know that children really look to the way we react to understand how to understand the world. Right. But you have, Mom saying, you have mom saying, is something wrong? She says, the other kids said, I'm too tall, too chubby, and too brown. I'm not right for Snow White, said Tamika. You give her those words. She says, I am not right for Snow White. She has made up that decision based on what the other kids are saying. And then mom says, you've got it all wrong. You're tall enough, chubby enough, and brown enough to be a perfect princess, to be a perfect princess. Ashley, you choose that article a, you are, Mm -hmm. there's not the, there's not one. There's you are a perfect princess. There's space for lots of perfect princesses. And you Tamika, are one of those. There's some good parents. I like it. It points. It shows me like, ooh, I'm like, ooh, I know that Ashley's a good parent because I see the way she talks. 
or I imagine that you're a good parent because I see the I way try. I talk. try really hard. That's all we can do, isn't it? We're making mistakes, but we, we see these opportunities to try. Yeah. Mm. I like that. And then, and then just, uh, the, the, the giving dad the line, you're just enough of all the right stuff. Being just enough was something that, I mean, I feel like it's probably the human condition, but I know as a child into adulthood, I really struggled with what it means to be enough for myself, be enough of, of me to other people. It's something mm -hmm. I still wrestle with today. And I know that to bring it back, I know that the adults that are hurt over the aerial decision or any other decision are probably still working out stuff that they were confused by or struggling with as a child just like I still struggle with what it means to be enough as an adult that was something I was you know working out as a child right but you know you're showing the way Ashley by by showing in the by modeling through Tamika and her family and through these interactions with adults you're 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 showing children that that what that their experience doesn't need to be the only experience that we can understand life through other people's other people's eyes as well. Yes. And it's also important to me to dismantle the idea of complete perfection. I think that causes a lot of anxiety for people. I think it causes a lot of anxiety, even when it comes down back to our childhood. There's always a perfect idea that we're all trying to live up to. And that standard constantly changes, which means none of us can ever actually live up to it. But once we start embracing the idea of being imperfectly perfect, you know, just trying to be the best version of you that you can be, you know, quirks and all, you know, that's all that you need to be as long as you're striving to be the best you, you know, Tamika, like her dad said, a perfect princess, what a perfect princess is to her, that might be, that might not be what it is to the next girl or the next kid. And it doesn't matter. <laughs> that doesn't make her any less. It doesn't make the other kid any more. It doesn't mean they have to be competing. It just means that they are both shining their light as bright as they can and thriving. And I think that's what we all really need to focus on and do. And I think that translates into so many different areas in life. And if we just dial it down or be more specific for writers, <laughs> you know, there is so much competition um, when everybody's trying to do their writing journey. You know, am I in the query trenches? You know, is my query strong enough? You know, is this proposal going to be good enough? Are my first pages going to stand out enough? Are they perfect? Is this perfect? But in the grand scheme of things, we all have to realize everything is so subjective. It is. We can't put our value on what other people see in that mirror. We have to see ourselves. Right. 
That's such a beautiful thing that you've done in this book, Ashley. It's so beautiful. And it's been a book that has revealed itself more and more with repeated readings. And not just to me, but also to my daughter, also to our family and the way that we've reading the book has opened up conversations. It's And then we've returned to the conversations as we return to the book. I don't know what you set out when you set out originally on this journey of yours into writing and writing picture books. But I know that there will be many, many stories that will come back to you from readers and from families about what your book is doing in, in homes. And I, I feel really grateful that as, as one of your readers, I had a chance <laughs> to express that to you tonight. Thank you. There are, so many things I can just feel so many things to, to talk to you about so many more things. Um, but I'm going to leave space for your readers and the, the parents and families you meet when this book uh, now is out in the world and connecting with, uh, with children and libraries and schools. I'm going to leave space for those conversations to happen. Um, and I want to bring us back to my library and give you a chance to speak to those kids that I'll see after summer break, but, <laughs> but without fail, um, Ashley, I will see a library full of children soon. Is there a message that I can bring to them from you? Yeah, I would have to say never dim your light because others are afraid to see you shine. This is Darshna Kiani, author of How to Wear a Sari, coming in fall 2020. Want to find out the latest South Asian books and children's literature? Check out www.darshanakhiani.com forward slash South Asian Kid Lit. The Children's Book Podcast is recorded and produced by Matthew Winner in his library studio in Ellicott City, Maryland. You can subscribe to the podcast and access the archive of over 400 episodes at matthewcwinner.com forward slash podcast. Our theme music is by Poddington Bear, care of the Free Music Archive. All views and opinions expressed on the show are those of the individuals and do not reflect ideas or viewpoints of the publishers of the books referenced. Want to help out the show? Writing a review on iTunes or sharing the podcast with friends through Facebook, Twitter, word of mouth, or any other means helps reach more listeners, which leads to more content and more amazing guests. And that's a very good thing indeed. Before we leave, I want to give a shout out to all of my patrons, those folks who are supporting the podcast and keeping the lights on care of our Patreon page. Thank you, Jenny, Sue, Amy, Sarah, Kate, Lisa, Darshna, Marianne, Jarrett, Anitra, Mike, Lynn, Link, Corina, Cynthia, Elaine, Doug, Judy, Amanda, Ruth, Laura, Teresa, and others who are coming with me on this journey. You're welcome to come with us, too. Just visit patreon.com slash Matthew C. Winner and pick the support tier that's right for you. Teamwork makes the dream work, and each of you are helping to provide the tools necessary to make this podcast even greater. 
Thank you. We know you value what you put in front of your kids, especially when it comes to screens and podcasts. That's why we're excited to share a new podcast from our friends at Sleepiest, creating bedtime stories to help your kids fall asleep fast. Hello, Abby here. If you've got children and find bedtimes a struggle, I'd like to tell you about Coco Sleep, a children's story podcast designed to make bedtime a dream. Coco Sleep turns a chaotic bedtime into cozy bonding time. The stories are delivered in a pace that gently slows. Rumour has it that no one's ever heard an ending. So search Coco Sleep on your favourite podcast app and let's make bedtime a dream. That's K-O-K-O Sleep and I'll see you there.